Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Sell Better Daily Sales Show. We are so glad that you are joining us here today. I'm going to introduce you to the wonderful Christina, but first, drop in the chat um, where you're tuning in from. Make sure that you change it to everyone and let us know where you're calling from. We love to see it. Uh, we are so excited to talk to you today about proven strategies to keep those conversations going and turn this into more opportunities. I am joined by the one and only Christina Brady. She's the SVP of sales over at Speckett. She's a badass mama. She's got an awesome podcast. Everyone say hey to Christina. <laughs> Anything else? What am I? I mean, there's so many things I'm missing there. That's all of it. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Well, <laughs> try, <laughs> trying to be just like just making it, you know, like just a gal making, making it. it. <laughs> See, right? Same. Same. Aren't we all, aren't we all just now making it? Yeah. <laughs> it's so true. Um, before we start, I do want to just mention we're here to help you sell better, hence the name. We have membership as well with instant access to sales training, resources, all sorts of goodies for you and your team. So you can scan the QR code here or check us out at sellbetter.xyz. And I just want to give a quick shout out to Outreach. They are a sales execution and productivity platform, if you're not familiar. It helps teams create, pipeline, predictively close more deals, um, so many different pieces of outreach. You can catch a really awesome webinar from them. Um, we just dropped it in the chat here. It's about how to create and close more pipeline this year, which I feel like everyone needs a little bit more pipeline this year, right? Is anyone like, no, I'm good. I'm, I have enough. I have enough opportunities. That being said, let's jump into it. Agenda. Here we go. While I'm saying this, I want to launch a quick poll. You know the drill. Who's in the room? Let us know. We're going to tailor information to you. Um, Today, we're going to start with how we can turn our conversations into more opportunities so that none of our calls, none of our chats, none of our catching up, or I just want to get some time on your calendar. We don't want any of that to go to waste. How do we get more? The second main piece we're going to focus on are those key signals. I call it like, how do I keep my happy ears in check, right? We all need a little bit of that sometimes, just a little, little gut check. And then the last piece here is how to keep velocity. Um, I don't know if anyone else is feeling that where you have this big energy surge from the beginning of a deal and then over time, it gradually starts to potentially melt away. How? What are some areas where we can turn the knob and, and fine tune that? Let's take a peek and see who's in the room here. Okay. 50% AEs, love to see it. Welcome to everyone. Let us know in the chat if you're one of the others. I always like the others. Let us know. We'll get you on the list. Okay, Christina, talk to me. 
It's time. Let's dig in. Um, when we were having a conversation, getting getting ready for this, I really loved when we were talking about just taking the conversations that we're typically having and how do we move that and get more opportunities from them? How do we make sure that we're not having meetings that don't lead us down the right direction? Give me just a quick a quick take from an SVP. Give me a quick take. Yeah, let's, uh, as the SVPs will say, no, I'm not. <laughs> at the end of the day, if you're an SDR, if you're an AE, if you are having prospect level conversations, or even if you're a CSM, or in CS and your job is to grow accounts or renew accounts. Most of us think our job is to find a yes, right? And so we're always listening for the yes, but sometimes we cherry pick the language that we hear to try to find the yes. Or when we don't hear the yes, we go, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to dazzle you so aggressively with my personality and then the features and benefits of my product that by the time I send you the contract, whatever objection may have been hiding in there won't matter anymore because you'll be so in love with the product. You will want to buy it. You'll want to buy me. You're going to stand up in my wedding. We're going to be best friends, right? That's like the ultimate dream. But ultimately, our job isn't to hunt for the yeses. Our job is to find no's. Like truffle pigs, we sniff them out. We find them because the earlier you find a no, the more time that you have to learn what's behind that no, challenge the thinking, create a paradigm shift, build a relationship, and then march toward a yes if it's a fit. It changes the entire way that you approach conversations where if you instead assume, look, I'm going to assume that if they're talking to me, there's some element of a yes, I'm going to find the no. Because if you don't know where the no sits, it will surprise you later. There has never been a single sale where a customer, client, prospect hasn't had at least an objection or a concern. The best sales reps are like within the first two stages of my sales process, I'm going to find what that no or what those no's are. And that's actually where we're going to start. And we're going to build from there because I can deal with a yes. I can deal with yeses all day, but no's, I got to know where they are. I don't want those to surprise me. I really like the uh, truffle pig, unless they're handing you a credit card saying right. here, you know, I have my credit card number. You got to be the truffle pig. Do it. And even if they are handing you their credit card, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you buying the right product? Are you right. buying the right package? Are you shopping too small? Are you shopping too large? Because also on the flip side of that, the reason so many companies have self-serve mechanisms is because, look, if I have my wallet out, we want to be like, look, you got your wallet out. I will take your money, right? But on the flip side of that, there may be so much that we are leaving on the table. And that's where you can start to have churn on the other end is when yes. we didn't fully maximize a customer when they made entry into our organization. They started shopping for value that we provide. They don't know that we provide it. And now we've lost that customer because we just took the money and we shut up. Right. So even when there is a credit card, I still am like, sniff it out. You sniff it out. What's going on there? Maybe it was right. No, and if any case, like you've checked in, you feel great. But like, don't get furious, get curious. Like, let's just, just real quick, I just want to touch on that and then I'll back off, I promise. Look at all your t-shirt slogans today. We got truffle pigs, we got don't get furious, get curious. I mean, there were some more in there, I missed them. I, it's gonna happen the whole time. This is the way my mind works. So. I'm going, I'm jotting them down. We're making t-shirts. Um, talk to me about like a couple of good questions where if you're hearing them just buy in and they're not pushing back on you, do you have any go-to that you like to hot button question. Totally. I love to hit him on the buy versus build paradigm. 
where one, I take our product or service off the table, right? So just to make sure that we are aligned in most things, most companies at some point in their journey are either going to build a solution or they're going to buy a solution. Mm -hmm. Now, both of those cost something, time, money, equity, frustration, moments of your life, time away from your kids, right? They all cost something. You're talking to me. You obviously know that we're a solution that you can buy. What's stopping you from wanting to build this? Why can't you do it without going and buying something? What's going into that decision-making process? Because you're learning how they've thought about it. You're learning about how the problem has persisted. You could be learning about the kinds of people they have on their team, right? Like what kind of support do we have? What kind of employees do we have? Maybe they are also thinking about whether or not they need to buy a solution. And on the back end, all of the conversations happening when you're not in the room are rooted in them saying, I think we could do this ourselves, but just, you know, have a conversation with them and suss it out, right? That's a big giant no that you want to get ahead of where they're just like, just see what they have. But honestly, I've, I'm really good with Google Docs. I can figure this out, right? So you want to be the person that's just calling that out. So for me, mm. that's one way to do it, right? Like you're spending money on this. Why? You know, like, why Why is it that bad? And what if you don't buy it, right? What if you don't buy this? What's going to happen? And then is there anybody in your organization that doesn't know that we're talking and should be? Why don't they know, right? Because that's why aren't you bringing important people into this conversation? So I could probably spend the entire 45 minutes just hot dropping questions that you can ask to uncover a no. Because again, I, in a weird way, I kind of get joy out of it. I get a joy out of it. Be like, well, you know what? Actually, like, we're not sure about this. I'm like, great. Ah, I feel better. You feel better. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I think that's a, a you mentioned that what's going to happen if they don't move forward. And I think so many people that I talk to, their biggest competition is that do nothing. I hear like do nothing.com or like, you know, it's people who don't make any decision. They don't move forward with anything because it's overwhelming or what they think they can build it themselves or whatever that is. I really love that idea of asking like what happens and actually asking it out loud on the phone. What happens? Yeah. If you don't do anything. Yeah. Could and you if they're up? like, we're fine. Yeah. But great. What does fine look like? Yeah. Like are your KPIs, if you, if you, at the end of the quarter, you report back on that KPI, like, well, we were fine. How, how, you know, what does that look like? Is that, is that what you're aiming for? Or is it fine to do nothing because you have bigger initiatives at play right now? And that's actually where your time equity has to be. And that's actually where your budget has to be. Like in the order of priorities, this may be important, but I say this all the time. I moved into my house five years ago and on day one, I turned on my faucet in my master bathroom and there was like a leak on the left-hand side of it. Now that's objectively a problem, right? You don't want your faucet leaking. Five years later, my faucet is leaking and it would not matter how many plumbers DM'd me on LinkedIn like, you got a leak? Boy, do I have a solution for you. I'd be like, look, it's a problem. I acknowledge it's a problem. So many sales reps stop there. They get surface level pain of, yeah, it's a problem. I absolutely have a leaky faucet. You're a plumber. Oh my gosh. But to me, I have so many priorities ahead of that leaky faucet. And also I tell myself I could go on YouTube and figure that I could fix it anytime I want. I'm just not. So that's how people buy though right? Just saying we have a problem that we'd like to solve is not enough. It's not mm -hmm. even close to being enough. There's so much more there. It's just, it's the iceberg, right? And you're just, you're right there at the little baby tip. Right. And I think like diving in. So getting the no, I want, I want you to reiterate this again, because you're not looking for the no to then go hang up, right? You're looking for the no to then dig in and find the true reason. Yes. Yes. I'm looking for the no because the way that people buy 
we rarely are ever always 100% in on the thing all the time. Otherwise, it wouldn't have to shop, right? Like shopping, when I'm going to buy a pair of pants, I'm going through a huge, the, like the worst. Come on. Like, can we just, yeah, okay. So, but I'm going through this huge process of yeses and nos and doubts and thinking through, like, even when I'm buying something as small as a pair of pants, you're selling me a $100,000 piece of technology that I'm not spending my money on. Oh, like, I need to find the no's because this early on, it's not a no that's going to prohibit a deal. It's something that may prevent me ultimately from moving forward. But right. it's a point where we need to stop and pause and have a conversation. That's what the no is that I'm looking for. Yep. I I think that that's such a huge point. I really liked, can I call out a post that you made today on LinkedIn? If you're not following Christina on LinkedIn, first off, follow Christina on LinkedIn. But you were talking about this time piece too that I think goes hand in hand with this. Um, we're, and we hear it all the time. As sellers, we say it all the time. And then as people being sold to, we hear it all the time. Hey, can I just get 10 minutes of your time? Can we just jump on the phone for 15 minutes? Can I just pop on your calendar and run something by you? Um, tell me, do you, will you give us a little synopsis here? My gosh, yes. If you're not reading it, what we- Send it to you. What we <laughs> send it to the people. What we keep trying to do at the very, very front of the, the funnel when we are building relationships is we know the time is precious. And so we try to make ourselves smaller, right? Like, hey, you know what? Like, could I just get, I've even heard people say, could I just get five minutes? Could I just get 10 minutes? Could I just squeeze in? Could I just get 15 minutes? Because we don't want to be obtrusive. We don't want to be obscene. We don't want to come across like we're taking up time, right? We're like, look, I, I'm, I'm not going to be an annoyance in your day. I just want quick 10 minutes. And what we really mean is, I want to try to say something that makes you curious enough to spend more time with me, right? Because it's never just 10 minutes, right? The, your entire buying process is in 10 minutes. So this whole idea of 10 minutes is another iceberg, right? It's this idea of give me 10 minutes of your time, but almost never, almost never when I've actually given somebody that time, have they been respectful of it? I get on a call and I always, because at the minute they're like, could I take 10 minutes of your time? I'm like, uh-huh, right? I care more about the fact that you asked me for 10 minutes and, I, and now because... I teach people how to sell and I lead salespeople and I try very hard to be a kind buyer because if you're a buyer in this room, the least we can do is be kind. It's a really hard job to sell to people. So like be a kind buyer, you know, like like don't be a-holes to people. We're all humans. All right. So that's like my other quick soapbox thing. But so I'm like, okay, you told me 10 minutes and I literally only have 10 minutes. And almost every single time I've had a salesperson that starts and they just keep going and they keep going. And then at the 10 minute mark, they're like, so, you know, tell me kind of some of your initiatives. And I'm like, I, my initiative is to get to my next meeting on time in this exact moment. And you are preventing me from doing that. And so at the end of the day, now I find myself really hesitant to trust that even if it's a product I want to buy. Yeah. Like even if it's a product I want to buy, I don't want to get on the phone with a salesperson. As a salesperson, I don't want to get on the phone with salespeople because I am so worried that one, they're not going to respect my time. And then two, I'm going to have to cut you off. And as a human being on a biological, psychological level, it is uncomfortable to cut another human being off and be like, I'm sorry, I have to go. Yeah. Right. So I know the minute you email me and say, can I have 10 minutes of your time? I get a feeling in the pit of my stomach. Like, I want to learn about your product. You're going to take more than 10 minutes. I'm going to have to cut you off. And then I'm going to have to give you more time that I don't. Never mind. I'm just going to go to your website and look it up myself. So instead, what do we do at the front of the funnel there? Instead, we let them know, right? I need 15 minutes of your time. But I'm going to tell you this much. At the 15-minute mark, unless you tell me 
that you want to keep talking, I'm going to end the Zoom. If I can't tell you what I need to tell you in the 15 minutes that I'm promising, I'm not very good at my job. So if I ask for 15, I'm going to shut it off at 15. You want to keep talking? We'll keep talking. But that is my promise to you. Your time is valuable. My time is valuable. Let's take a quick moment, right? And then you follow up before that quick 10 or 15 minute call with, these are the exact questions I'm going to be asking. This is the exact end in mind for these 15 minutes. I'm going to drive us and make sure that we cover it. Thank you again for taking the time. I can't wait to talk to you, right? Now that call, I would take, right? Like I would take that call because I'm like, you know what? No matter what happens, at least I get out of this after 10 or 15 minutes if I don't like it. So there's this idea of how do we create trust at the very beginning by calling out the elephant in the room. And that is not a lot of salespeople do what they say that they're going to do. And I get it, right? I get it, but we can change that. I, it's removing the objection before it's going to happen. But a lot of people won't even voice that objection. They will just go on your website and go do some self-educating or they will just ignore the conversation, right? Because that's what they're used to doing. That's what they're conditioned to. So it's removing that from even the realm of possibility and giving people like, a, oh, okay, this feels different. This feels better. Right. Exactly. Love, love it. Um, something else that you and I were chatting about was the upfront contract. Does everyone, I, I have to ask, does anyone use an upfront contract? Actually, I think I have a poll here. We can, we can run, but. Um, Sandler methodology for you. Just yes. A little Sandler sales. And while we're doing this, um, uh, if you have questions, um, they kind of get buried in the chat here. So if you want to put them in the Q&A tab, then we can get to those at the end here for sure as well. But Christina, talk to me about how you like to use an upfront contract. So I root all of the training that I do is ultimately rooted in the psychology of communication, mm -hmm. it, how people interact and how the roles that we're in really, really impact that. So at the end of the day, an upfront contract is creating a pattern of yeses and permission to keep going. What is the main reason that selling to somebody is so uncomfortable? It's because you don't feel like you have their permission. You haven't earned the right to sell to them yet. And so what we do is we try to do the thing I mentioned at the beginning. We try to dazzle them into the permission. Mm -hmm. We do small talk at the start of a conversation. We try to create familiarity. We try to laugh. We try to smile, right? It's this idea of, I just want to earn the right to spend this time with you and make it feel worthwhile. The most conscious way of feeling is doing first. So if I can get you to slowly give me the permission and the right to continue the conversation, now I've earned the ability for my time and my platform. So an upfront contract is simply, look, we've just spent the first 15 minutes together. And look, we are at minute 13. I want to pause right here because in two minutes, like I mentioned, I'm going to shut this Zoom down. We've talked about a lot. It sounds like you've got some areas where we can really, really be helpful. I think there's certainly cause for us to keep talking if you do. How would you feel about us scheduling more time at your behest so we can dig in further to X, Y, and Z questions, right? Yes, yes, yes. Great. That's a version of an upfront contract. I'm getting the, yes, yes you can get more time on my calendar. Maybe it's after a demo and you say, at this point, before we move further, I just want to make sure that you view and see us as being aligned in the priorities that you have an issue that you need to solve right now and you're considering solving that with us. Would that be a yes or a no? Yes. We absolutely feel like we can solve this with you. Great. Okay. How do you feel about moving on to the next step? Yes, we want to move on to the next step, right? Mm -hmm. It's these little upfront contracts and they all can sound very, very different. 
but they are what you had on the slide a moment ago. I want to appreciate the time that you've spent so far. I want to appreciate the information that you've given to me. I want to make sure that I am looking out for what you want to get out of this call and what we need to get out of this call. And what is the outcome that we're looking for together? The outcome until you are ready to sell the deal is it's worth it to spend more time, mm -hmm. right? The outcome call one, call two, isn't you want to buy my product. And if it is, your head's in the wrong place. Your prospect can feel it. You feel slimy. Back up out of there, right? Try something yeah. new. Okay. The outcome is curiosity. Then the outcome is fit. Then the outcome is curiosity. And eventually the outcome becomes, yeah, you know what? I want to buy this thing. But until it's time to make the outcome, I want to buy the thing. It's not. It's just, you know what? Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Right. That's the upfront contract. And then you guide them through your buying process that way. So those little UFCs that you can do throughout to get the yes, keep going. Yes, keep going. Well, great. You gave me permission to keep going. I'm going to keep going. You can even use an upfront contract to follow up with them. You get that prospect that's like, this sounds great. I love it. Can we talk in three months? Like, oh, three months. Okay. That feels like a lot of time, right? Lava cools in three months. We haven't talked about it yet. What's happening between now and three months and why this giant gap? I have to be honest. I wasn't expecting that. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. Do I have your permission every two weeks to just follow up, see how you're doing, send you some information? Yeah, follow up with me. Great. I will, right? It's this getting permission to stay in front of them. Yeah. I... Oh, I went through Sandler training for a while, a, a company that sent us in person every week, every Tuesday night. That was like our thing. We went to Tuesday night Sandler. And I really love the way that you just explained that it's not just a one-time event, right? This upfront contract idea. And I, um, I heard a few people mention that this may be the first time that they're hearing this. Um, there's a ton of examples on YouTube that are phenomenal, but don't treat it as like a one-time event. Christina just was talking about like you can do it in the beginning of your meeting to set the tone for a discovery call, which is probably the most common, but doing it throughout your sales process, this is just you're gaining that permission, that commitment. I think one of the most powerful pieces that I've been able to continue to use for myself in sales is that yes or no um, question that there, that it's like if if you if at any point during this process, Christina, you feel like this isn't going to be a good fit for you, can you just tell me no? You don't don't worry about hurting my feelings because that's another thing, right? It's that innate human; they're not going to reply to your emails because they don't want to tell you that they don't want to buy from you. So just giving that permission up front. And then the reverse of that question was like, if I feel the same way, do are, are you okay if I tell you no? And people are like, oh, you're gonna tell me no. They they respect it, they appreciate it. It's that like honesty back and forth. You're building a true relationship there. And I was very uncomfortable saying it at first. It's it's weird. It, it sounds is. weird. Sounds weird. Feels weird first few times. Like any new thing though, right? Like the first time I got on a treadmill, I looked and felt real weird, you know? <laughs> but it's like, that's the first time you do anything. It's going to be weird. Um, but it's how it makes the person feel. And to be honest, most prospects haven't had sales reps that give them the respect of upfront contracts. And the first time you lay one on somebody, it might feel kind of weird to them, but like good weird. And be like, oh, I've actually never heard anybody say that to me before. Hold on, right? It's that moment of like, wow, nobody's ever... I mean, you're already ahead when you have that moment when you can make the prospect do that physical. You ever seen a prospect who would be like, when you ask them, but that's a great move, the head back thing. Yeah. That is almost always the like, wow, you've just, you've just hit me with a question that is so powerful that you blew my head back through the screen. 
Like, I have to think about that for a minute. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always a good thing, even if the outcome of that is negative, is you you gave me pause and you made me think. Um, and that's a great thing. And And when you talk about this idea of, I don't want to have to tell you no, there's so much psychologically behind that. One of the things is your prospects don't want to tell you no, because once they've really made their decision and it's a no, they don't want their objection overcome. Right. It's like the minute I tell you no, you're going to be like, can I ask why? And they're going to be like, no. Right. So it's this weird, like, like, I just want to avoid that. And so I would much rather completely ghost you when the answer is no, than tell you no and have to deal with 15 emails back and forth where that you're like, well, can I ask you why? I don't understand. Let's fight back. Right. So (laughs) maybe this is another show, but we can also get into this idea of like, what does no mean? And what's the psychology behind that? And how do you make it really, really comfortable? And how do you not create a world where prospects run from you? Like if you're walking down the aisle of a mall and you've got all those stands and there's the gal with the lotion who's like, come here. And she's like squirting it as you're running and you're like, no, right? But it's a free no. sample. Come on, let me, yeah, let me like, you know, do you want to try my lotion? Squirt. You're like, <laughs> me, right? That's how salespeople feel. It's like, you're going to intrude on me. You're not going to let me say no. You're going to pressure me. Human beings don't want to be pressured into something that feels uncomfortable. So we don't say no, we delay you a bunch of months or we pawn it off on somebody else. Or we say, I would love to, I would love to do this. I would sign this right now. I would spend my own money on this. But unfortunately, my boss, who I will never let you talk to because they don't know that we're talking, uh, said that it's no. So I'm going to blame it on, it's not me. Don't overcome me. It's not them, right? So there's a whole psychology of no that as an AE or an SDR, anybody dealing with customers that like you have to drill into and just do that the right way. Yeah, I think this is a great segue into, you know, we talked about the eye movements, we talked about all these things. What are some of those key signals that we should notice that tell us how our deal is really going? Not just like, they're going to be my best friend, they're in my wedding. <laughs> yeah. Which, What's, what are some of those things where you're like, this is a good or this is a yellow flag or a red flag for you? Yeah, there's flags, there's lights, there's all kinds of things to look out for. I I would be willing to bet that there is somebody in attendance today who is now a great friend with a prospect they didn't close, right? And it's because sometimes it's not about, yeah, like, right. Yeah. You're like, give us a show of hands. Give us a yeah. plus one in the chat. Plus one, yes. Like you, you've you built these amazing, yeah, look, it's going to be everybody, right? Because yeah. as salespeople, we are really great at building relationships. And there's that old like, oh, well, they don't buy my product. They buy me. <laughs> well, they don't. Like, they buy your product and if you're cool, it helps, right? Because at the end of the day, they have to justify the cost and they have to justify the ROI. So like, be cool, build a great relationship. There are so many subtle signs that a deal is not going well. And this is another reason I say a no is a gift. If it's a real no, and you have a prospect who's willing to be like, look, it's a no. Yeah, That is a gift. Because sometimes it looks like a prospect who is visibly distracted in a meeting because they have no intention of buying, but they're just humoring you and letting you get through it. Sometimes it looks like a prospect who's going to completely ghost. Yeah. You ever have somebody that, you know, you're in the middle of a demo and this happens, right? So they're up here (laughs) and then you stop because you're like done talking or you ask them a question and then they do this and they're like, oh yeah, no, no, no. Yep. Um, That was great. No question. That sounds really good. Yeah. No, uh, I'm, did you, uh, Tom, did you want to, right? And you're like, damn, were they, I don't think they were listening. Maybe they, and what are you going to do? You're going to pause it now and be like, Christina, you weren't listening. Your body language told me, right? No, you're going to be like, I have a pop quiz for you actually now. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll just keep going. Here's the other thing they do is they sandwich, they cr- you ever heard the crud sandwich for feedback, right? They crud sandwich the objection 
So they're like, your hair looks great. We don't have budget for this, but I also love your shoes. And you're like, oh, I, you like my grace. She loves me. She's buying. We'll just keep <laughs> going, right? And what that, and what that sounds like literally is, no, we, we definitely want to have the conversation today. I am such a big fan of your product. We're still working internally to try to figure out like where the budget's going to come from, what the timing is, but I'm really excited to hear you dig in. I was telling my colleague that this is the coolest product. Um, like, please go on, show us. That's right? exactly and you're like, it. <laughs> right? and you're like, uh, okay, you know what? You know what? This is where the dazzle comes, right? No, don't dazzle. That's where you pause, right? This is where like the old foundational acknowledge, respond, and pivot is unbelievably important. Mm. Right? Absolutely. I can't wait to dig in and talk you to the product. I'm glad that you're evangelizing it internally also. However, I did hear you mention budget. And look, at the end of the day, budget is important. You can love something, but if you can't afford to buy it, then ultimately, I don't want to take up your time. And it's important together if we figure out if this is worth the budget and if you have the budget, how do you typically set aside budget for tools that you're purchasing, right? I'm going to get off of what, and I'm not going to come back and be like, why don't you have budget, right? Because you're also going to be like, it's important that you have budget. Why don't you have budget, right? But instead, okay, how do you typically go about buying tools and determining what you spend on, what you don't spend on? I can go back to like the buy versus build paradigm. I can go anywhere from there. But ultimately, I heard an objection that was hidden in there. It's a yellow light, yellow flag, red flag. Just yeah. slow down. And I'm not just going to move on like you want me to. I need to focus there and figure out what's going on. Um, and that's the biggest thing. So objections and no's can be like inferred like that. They can start asking questions about something that your product doesn't do. Right? They're like, oh, do you guys do this, this, and this? And you're like, no. And they're like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Keep going. Well, wait, why Why are you shop? Is that the actual need? Right. Like maybe you don't actually get what we do. Maybe you, from the research that you've done and data says, what is it these days, eight or nine sources before they even talk to sales, right? The nine sources yeah. that you checked, maybe you don't quite understand what we do yet. And so you're shopping for us, but you actually need something else. Would be great to know that now because maybe you still do need us, but also maybe now I can jump into advisory or consultant mode and actually help you find a tool that's going to help you with that issue while we can go focus on this one. And then, yeah, mentioning somebody that's not in the room. A lot of times your champion is actually your gatekeeper, but they're pretending to be your champion actually your gatekeeper. And that's another one to look out for, right? Where they're like, no, this is great. I'm going to send all of this to so-and-so. I'm going to report back. We actually, this is a famous one. We have a meeting coming up in two weeks where we all get together. And this is on the agenda. It's not, just so you know, it's not on the agenda for that meeting. That meeting already has, if they're meeting every two months, this team, that meeting has five pages of agenda. And you are one small bullet point that I guarantee the person is going to be like, you know what? We can touch on this later. And we're going to get back to you. We're going to, we can push this, right? Yeah. So in those moments, they're all yellow lights to lean into um, and figure out exactly where do I stand so that I know where I go from here. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to bring up a couple others too, just to share like some of those nonverbal cues where you can like gut check yourself. But Christina, I love how it's never like, even if here's my agenda, here's the meeting agenda. When you hear something you can pause that agenda and be like, okay, let me dig in. Let me let me double click into that here and and seek to understand. Don't don't be so maniacally focused on your outcome or your agenda that you don't stop to listen to some of these nonverbal cues or some of these. I mean, some of them are verbal; they're just hidden, right? But just some of these things that pop up that like we can't fill in all the dots. Yes, I'm going to give you another metaphor because again. My I love it. Bring Here's me a metaphor. The only way I do it. My poor family. Um, so my, 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 the poor people who just know me. 
Um, this is how ridiculous it is in real life when you don't listen in to those quick objections that are thrown in. Pretend that you're putting together a menu for a big event that somebody is having and you're sitting down with them and you're going through the menu and you're like, we're going to start with this, with this, with this. And they're all meat dishes and dairy dishes of some sort, right? And the person halfway through is like, you've put so much work into this. It sounds absolutely delicious. Our guests are going to love that. Um, I'm vegetarian, vegan, but 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 keep going, right? Now, if you were to be like, okay, great. And then uh, we have the steak tartare and you keep going. How ridiculous would that be, right? Right. You because at that keep, point in time, you just push the meat. And uh, yes, so instead you pause and go, wait, wait, I did not know this. Hold on, we need to back up. I want your guests to be happy, but I also want you to be happy. I need to, let's start from scratch. Let's talk through some things that you love. Let's talk about what you're looking for because clearly I didn't get it right the first time or my research was wrong, right? I'm going to stop this agenda today. We are supposed to go over the menu. We're not going to go over the menu. We're going to start over, right? There are these moments where when you don't do that, it's it's ridiculous in practice, and yet we don't do that because we're so scared that if I pause on that, the yellow light's going to turn red. It's why we speed through yellow lights. And that's also how you get a ticket. Speaking from experience. Yeah, no, never. Um, I think that a lot of times this impacts in our, in our minds as salespeople. Like we think about how we can speed up our sales cycle. How do we? maintain all of these different opportunities going at the same time, but I don't want to elongate anything. I don't want to introduce something new that's going to jeopardize my timeline because of my own commission or my quota or whatever it is, right? Like we're pulling these things in that we have um, uh, our own timelines that are impacting what this is. Talk to me about like a response there, you're you're listening to them, you're pausing them, and this like opportunity cost of pausing to listen versus elongating sales cycle. Do you come like do you hear this a lot? Do you hear it when you're being sold to? Yeah. It's a delicate balance. Because like we've talked about, sometimes the answer is a no, and it's always been a no, and you have a buyer that is just too afraid to tell you that and like that can go on for a while i mean like gregory austin what you have in the chat here i had a good prospect tell me no today because he knows they are very slow to pay and he doesn't want me to have to chase them down to pay invoices that that is the ultimate example of a no that was always there and your, your prospect is like i can't think of anything to say no other than something that like i can't control and you know that i can't control so i'm going to throw this out as the reason Right. So it's how do I not slow it down? But also by finding the no early on, it's almost like the sharpening the saw methodology. So I believe this is Covey methodology, where if you're cutting down a tree with a saw and it starts to move slower because your saw is getting dull. If you say, I don't have time to stop and sharpen this saw, I have to keep going. You'll cut down the tree slower than if you just stop, sharpen the saw and keep going. Right. right. But so often we're like, I can't stop. I don't have time. I don't have time to sharpen it. Well, then you're ultimately going to go slower. So you have to find this ultimate balance. Here's the other thing. I believe firmly in selling like a human being. It's no secret that if you're selling to somebody, you're a salesperson. And every single person on the earth know that salespeople rely on commission and rely on bonuses. And that end of the quarter means you likely have them forecasted. It's never a bad idea to say, as part of your upfront contract, sounds like we have a great fit. Would you agree? Yes. Is there any reason that you wouldn't move forward? No, I see that we should move forward. I'm going to go ahead and commit this deal in this quarter. Would you say that that's something fair for us to be able to do? And can you commit to that with me? Yes. Great. 
I'm committing this deal for this quarter. It's okay to let your prospects know that your livelihood is also relying on this deal, right? Now, you don't want to lean on that entirely, where they're like, I'm sorry, Kevin, like, but my commission, right? Like, if you don't sign, my kid won't eat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's my livelihood. If you sign this deal, Gregory, right? Whoever. But at the end of the day, it's okay to let them know that you're a human being. It's okay to let them know and ask them ahead of time. I'm going to forecast this for this quarter. Like, would that, does that, does that sound good to you? I, can we get this done? Yes, we can get this done this quarter. Great. You know what? I'm going to commit this this quarter because look at your timeline. Look at my timeline. I feel like not only does it work if we get it back this quarter for your timeline, it works for my timeline, right? So it just depends on how you bring these things up, but also letting them know I've spent my time on this deal as much as you have spent your time. And this is also where we could go off on a, a good tangent on this one, but mutual action plans, right? Mm -hmm. If you work in an environment where talking about the fact that you're committing it for this deal or you're having it doesn't work for you, then let's talk about a mutual action plan. And in the mutual action plan, you put the sign date, the end of the quarter, you can drive them to the date that's in your mutual action plan. Look, we agreed together. We were going to have this signature done. We have everything in a row. What changed, right? And if this, yeah. if this date changes, then that date changes, right? You wanted this to go live on June 1st. Well, if you don't meet your deadline, I can't meet that deadline. So what's going to give here? There's all kinds of tactics that you can use. And I see it happening in the chat. Look, everything we're talking about today is a different tool in the arsenal that you can opt to use or opt not to use. Some of these will work for some of you. Some of them won't. That's the joy of sales is what is your superpower? What feels good in your mouth? What feels good when you're typing an email? And then you go with that and you scale that. Yeah, definitely. And I like the the piece, I want to pull it back, the mutual action plan, because yeah. I feel like this is something that can be really hard to uphold from a sales perspective unless you put your ducks in a row, unless you have everything lined up strategically. So you gave the example of they passed this timeline that they set with you. Mm -hmm. um, what's that kind way to remind them, right? Like, we get we get nervous about well you know they haven't responded or it's gone past their go live date like i don't want to be rude i want to make sure that they still feel supported i don't want to be too pushy um do you have a way that you're like here's what we agreed upon is there a, a phrase that you use or a couple lines that you use there yeah and the first is it goes back right if in the moment that the date is passed is when you're starting to execute on all your methodology you've already missed the boat mm -hmm. the first thing is don't set arbitrary dates unless you're willing to admit that they're arbitrary dates so don't be like i don't know how does march 30th sound good good great okay let's put march 30th in there because then when you go in and you're like march 30th passed and they're like oh that's okay and you're like oh well, i was committing it for this quarter and that's why no I'm big there. deal <laughs> right so at the end of the day it's let's pick a signature date based on we talked about, like, you think about the element of bands, right? Budget authority needs timeline. However you qualify deals. Timeline ultimately is when do you want to have your people using this product or service? When do you want to have it in their hands? Let's talk about our implementation time combined with the man hands that you have at your company to actually get this up and get this going and figure out between signature and then between when we actually want this to go live. When is the absolute latest that we have to have this agreement signed to meet your deadline of when you want this to go live. Now, the go live date for you, how hard of a deadline is that? Is that like it would feel good or absolutely we need it to go live by this date for XYZ reason? And what are those reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Because if the go live date is kind of fuzzy, then the signature date is going to be kind of fuzzy and all backs into it. 
So very early on when you're building that mutual action plan, it is what is the absolute drop dead if we don't have this by this date, our business is going to be negatively impacted. Okay, let's back that into the implementation timeframe. Okay, great. Now you said you have a procurement process. How long does it usually take to sign an agreement? Two weeks? Okay, so let's move that back then two weeks. So it sounds like I need to have the agreement in your hands by this date. Okay, got it. Now what happens if we miss that date? Right. How how rigid. Okay. Got it. Got it. We're going to write down all of this pain. Okay. Sounds good to me. So I'm going to agree then to send you the agreement by this date. So that means we need to hop on a call quickly to talk through the negotiation. I'm backing into where it has to be so that when I need to, all my ducks are in a row and now I can lean on them. Now when I'm emailing them and I'm saying, we don't have it back. What's going on with procurement? Heads up. I know we had a go live date of June 1st. It's going to be at least June 10th. There's 10 days in there. There's a 10 day gap. W what does that mean? Right. Like, are we going to be okay? June 10th, that's the new date. Okay, then I need to get it back by this date, right? I'm driving on your timeline. You're not driving on mine. If you cannot get them to commit to a timeline, you will naturally have difficulty here. And that does happen sometimes, right? Yeah. There's no perfect deals. Like sometimes you're like, look, they're going to get it back when they get it back. Like, especially like if anybody here works with government contractors or like a uh, city, like, you know, like we're we're working with Con Edison right now, right? It's like, look, they'll sign it when they sign it, right? <laughs> There's no way I can be like, look, you said, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. We'll How keep you posted. We'll, keep, we'll let you know in the three months when we get three. It's like, okay, you know, do I have your permission to just keep following up? Yeah, follow up with me. Fine. Great. I will. Yep. And uh, maybe I'll get a reply. I, that was one of the things that you and I talked about that stood out, the let me know language. Like uh, you're talking about at, the whole way, this whole time you've been talking about it. It's borrowing their time, putting it down. I think holding people accountable or agreeing upon it together. It's like, we're sitting on the same side of the table and selling into your organization now. I think that the let me know language is a big piece of this. What is your best way to eliminate that? Like, oh, I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted. I'll send you an email when I have that information. I always say, let me know on either the buyer or the prospect side is where deals go to die. Like, mm -hmm. especially it's so natural for reps because we're wanting to be accommodating, right? Like the intent there is so pure, right? I just sent over all the information, had such an incredible call. Here's things that we hit on. I know you want to forward this on to folks in the org. Let me know if you want to talk further. Let me know if this works. Let me know if you want anything else. Let me know is the absolute absence of any ownership whatsoever. Because great, I'll let you know. That could be any point in time in the future. That doesn't give me any direction. It doesn't even actually imply for me to respond to your email. Let me know actually says no need to reply. We'll just think, I don't know, whenever you say. And what always happens when you send a let me know email, you have to awkwardly double tap and be like, oh, just follow up. Hey, <laughs> by the way, remember the email. I just want to... And then you do it again and you're like, so let me know if you had any questions, right? And we perpetuate this. Yes. Always ending an email with something moving forward is what the, is is what you want to do. Um, and that that could sound even as simple as, you know, I sent over all of the information. We had a great phone call today. How much time do you think that you would need to review that internally? Right? Like, at least I am prompting a conversation coming back or you're prompting for another meeting. You're actually moving it forward versus just let me know. So as much as you possibly can, remove let me know from the end of your emails as the final stage. I guarantee your velocity will go up. Like, that is a zero-sum game. A hundred percent agree. And it's, uh, I used to have a leader that called it clear, actionable, next steps, cans. Cans. Gotta get cans. Don't let me know it. Clear, actionable, next steps. I did not even realize that we have one minute left. So Christina, yes. tell everyone how they can 
keep in touch with you. Tell us a little bit. Podcast. Give me, give me all this. Give me all the goodies. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always bouncing around there. I have a podcast. It's called Taking the Lead. You can find it on all of the the streams. And I basically, I feature the iconic women who are leading B2B tech industries and we dig into their stories and their tips. It's a show that features women, but it's for everybody. And it hits my ultimate goal of changing and elevating new faces in tech. Um, so that's where you can find me. And then, um, you know, nine to five or more than that, more like eight to eight, you'll find me uh, SVPing at Speckit, which is a company that I love with an incredible product. So I'm bouncing around. Awesome. We put some links in the chat there. This, I mean, every time I get to spend with you is phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your brain with us here. Can't wait to do it again. Everybody. <laughs> Come back soon. Thanks for joining <laughs> in, everyone. Yeah. <laughs>